this morning, open your Bibles up to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 to 10, but really stick your finger in Matthew chapter 25. That's where we're going to be. Our, our, our pretext is, is first fruits, and our text is Matthew. It is my privilege to begin and open up this year about first fruits. It's a very special offering. For those who don't know what first fruits is, we have discovered out of our house in our kind of working with God as a corporate group and a family and community, this is one of the things that ignited us toward the economy of God and out of the economy in the world. Um, everywhere in scripture, we found once this was highlighted to us and Charles discovered it and shared it with us, I see the concept or the principle of first fruits everywhere in scripture from Exodus 22, 29, throughout so much of the scriptures in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, and other places about giving our first our breakthrough part of our life first to God, which is really amazing. So it's a sense sowing breakthrough so it comes back to us. Isn't that amazing? So, so it's really a powerful, powerful um, offering. It's an offering that's not based on what you've received for, so far. It's based on what you're anticipating. It's based on the character, trusting the character of God. And in this, we have seen breakthrough. We lived for a number of years here out of just enough, and we were frustrated as a team and as leaders. Charles really was, we were a kid. In fact, we had just came in the building, I think, and one of the things that was a perception was that, oh, they got this building, so they must have made it. You know what I mean? Which is so crazy because people thought, and we are turning out lights and shutting down engines and doing anything we can to make the utility bill that was here. So, but we kept going. I mean, we really did. And by God's grace, we did. God did add. But we sought him on how to break through into a different level of faith with him in his economic structure. And we, we certainly believe in being good stewards of the of anything you have, and in the world system, there's lots of brilliant things to do with your finances, but this, we wanted to step into the supernatural. We were in the supernatural in our worship, the supernatural in prayer, the supernatural in prophecy. We wanted to be supernatural in the practical, like we wanted to see God's provision strike our life so we could be more like him and give it every opportunity and have abundance, amen? So, but we just got sick and tired of being it just enough. So in this pursuit, Charles really did say, God, we gotta break through and he can tell the story better than I can, but at one point God said, why don't you give me a first fruit? Well, we'll do that, God. What the heck is a first fruit? You know. So we got into scripture and found out that this is what it's all about. Giving him your best, giving him anticipation, cooperating or coordinating or covenanting with God for what you anticipate he will do in your life specifically for the coming year. Now, I mean, we all serve him in general in the macro sense, but the micro sense is God has us in seasons and times in our life, and we're always seeking him to how to navigate that time. So we, the slight um, promptings of the Holy Spirit help us make the turns, navigate well, and become who God has asked us to be in those seasons. Agreed? So that is the history of the first fruits. And in this giving, it's, it's, it certainly is financial, but so much more than financial. That's what you have to understand. This is more, okay, I'm setting, I'm partnering you with you, God. I'm a substance I'm putting into this, and I'm doing it in a sacrificial way. But God, I'm believing that the transformation is going to happen to me. It's not just putting money in and pull the slot machine and walk away and see it. If it happens. No, it's putting something before God and saying, God, I'm part of that solution. And God, I'm asking you to guide me through it so that I will be not the same person I am right now, but different as a result of this end of this year. And I'm going to see you have breakthrough, I'm going to see your economy or your ways of abundance come into my life.
life. And sure, it may be finances come back to you. We have seen people get their college scholarships here when they put in a certain amount and have it quadrupled and doubled in 10 times. Actually, 10 times. One of the, one of the years, a few years ago, a gal put in so much money and 10 times came back to her. She got her whole scholar scholarship that year. Some people got in scholarship for four years. So it's crazy. We've seen children be born to families that were, that, that couples that were childless. But again, this is all a very personal thing that you put before the Lord in a sacrificial and real faith, real anticipation, real hope, real genuine thanksgiving and love and trusting his character and joining your character now to be worked with his in the coming year. And we see people that maybe they put finances in, but they reap righteousness into their family. They reap peace between relatives. They, they, they see promotions at work. They see influence. They see favor on their lives. You see all these things happening. So, you know, is this perfect for every church? No. But if for this house, we really believe we have wonderfully stumbled and wonderfully been guided into this powerful, transforming, prophetic action. Does that make sense? Now, for me, what I love about this is it's a finite thing that infinite things happen with. I don't know why it makes me so crazy happy when I think about it, but there's so many things we can do. God, there's so many things we can't do, but this is a thing that he calls us to in a regular lifestyle. The tithe is something we practice in our covenant and then offerings beyond that. And if you do that, which I, you can look up on the internet and get all kinds of reasons not to help yourself. But in this house, in this house, in this community, this is a reality. In fact, I'm telling you for the kingdom, it's a reality. When you partner with God and you give him of your substance, you work on that, practice it, review it, go back to it, and exercise your faith in it. There's no way that he will not get abundance to you. There's just no way. This is not a way you can do it. And I'm living proof of it, and I know that that's happened in our life. You're sitting in a place that's living proof of it that we trusted God, risked our lives, gave him everything, and he returned to us, and it was him. And the weird thing is, the more you do it, the less it's about you, but it is about you to do it. I know that does, that's a little Irish, doesn't make very much sense, I know, but the more you do it and more God comes true, it's so not about you. It's holy, it's powerful, it's expansive, it's growing, it's brilliant, it's an adventure. But then you must put yourself into it, appropriate yourself, and act. And that's the part I love. I can actually have this action. It's measurable, attainable. You can see it happen. Not just with my finances, but absolutely with them. But also all kinds of substance that comes back to me, all kinds of harvest that comes back to me and to you. This is a personal decision, which you have to do. We're offering it as an opportunity to you. So, so I want to break down a little bit of the story. If you go to Matthew, and of course, well, let me just read Proverbs real fast before I jump in. I want to do the video. Thank you so much. Proverbs, it says, what does it say? Bring it up, guys. Do you have Proverbs 3? There you go. Honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns may be filled with plenty and your vats may overflow with wine. Man, this is such a great scripture. And like I said, it's the presenting of your breakthrough to God as a seed. The first fruits, the first breakthrough, the first harvest. There's an honor, there's an elevation, there's a valuing in that and say, God, I'm going to do this. This is so special and offering because it's in anticipation of what God is going to do. So I'm not going to beat you up on that one, but what I love about the vats being full of wine, that says so much about the Holy Spirit, doesn't it? I know all you old prophetic people, it's like, it's amazing, right? But it's true. I mean, wine speaks of the Holy Spirit and the movement of the Spirit in our lives. Just on that. Come on, guys, right? So, all right, so the next few weeks, you're gonna see videos to share with you out of people who've done this in our body and had tremendous breakthrough. 
You need to see this because it's a testimony. You also need to see it because it's happening right next to you, right beside you. And over the next few weeks, you're going to see some. And these are just a smidgen of the things that we've seen through people's lives of healing. And over the years, we've had terrific testimonies. This is one beautiful one from, uh, from David and, and Janiel Vasquez. And they were here in the first service. So, okay, guys, roll them. So about seven years ago, I felt a call to become a foster mom. And so I completed all the trainings and I went in for my physical, which I thought was going to be a quick physical. And it ultimately led to the diagnosis of stage three thyroid cancer with metastasis to my lymph nodes. So it delayed fostering for a little bit, but about a year later when I was cleared, I opened my home. And since that time, I've had 10 children in my home. And on July 16th, 2019, I got a call at 9 a.m. while I was at work that they had a baby that needed a home from the hospital. I said, sure, my home's open. And they said, your home's been chosen. The caseworker has picked the baby up from the hospital and will be at your house in 30 minutes with a newborn. And so I quickly finished seeing my last patient, picked up my son and daughter from their preschool daycares. And a few minutes later, that is when baby Leo was placed in my arms. His case was pretty obvious, was going to go to adoption, but the plans changed and they, uh, we're planning on moving him. And so every few months they'd say, yep, we found a home, we're gonna move him. And he just kept staying in my home. And finally I was advised if I wanted to fight for legal custody, I could certainly hire an attorney. And the next week, one of the pastors was speaking on first fruits and they said, it's not a matter of whether you give X dollars or Y dollars, it's about trust and sowing into the future. And that Y dollar amount was the amount that I had saved for my attorney fees. So I gave the money I had saved as my first fruits offering. And I waited and waited and the court date came and going into court, the recommendation was still to, to move him. And that is when I like to say our heavenly judge moved and our earthly judge ruled that Leo would stay with me and cleared the way for adoption. When I had written down what my heart's desires were, I was convinced that the adoption wouldn't happen. So I had listed two backup options for God, if you will. <laughs> and one of those was to find a godly husband and father. And the other was that I wanted to continue opening my home for more children. Then David and I met in during the summer of uh, 2021, and we were married this past August 2022. And God gave me an awesome wife that, you know, has blessed so many kids and... Um, and also gave me a great family. You know, one of my friends, he said to me one time, he's like, it's a perfect match. They needed a dad, you needed kids, you know? <laughs> it was truly trusting and sowing into the future. And for me, it was trusting God with my family. And it's a challenge, but sowing into our future was worth it. So we're going to go over today a little bit, but that's all right. I want to talk about this. This is a beautiful testimony. I had the privilege of walking through this whole thing, seeing them. Pat and I did. We met the, their par her parents of the Geises, Ken and Juanita, and they are just wonderful people. And they came up on Wednesday or Sunday and Wednesday night, and we said, look, we, this child, they really want, they really had to battle for Leo because it was really difficult over a year period of time. It was well over a year. And they said, let's pray for a righteousness to have happen. So I just want you to know, I was in the courtroom when they formally adopted Leo. 
that um, the judge there, Judge John McNally III, was absolutely a righteous judge. He was wonderful. He actually, in the start of the uh, proceedings, he stopped everything and said, look, I just want you to know, in this courtroom, I have an earthly authority, but there's one, and I'm sitting over on the side, there's a man over here who has the godly authority and an ordained um, authority on him, and he is far greater than I. Can you imagine someone saying, that's amazing. Just not about me, just that he recognized that. That's how big it was that happened. And so through tremendous uh, faith and through some very highs and lows, they, they adopted Leo. But that's the third of three children. Um, Janelle is just wonderful. She's so quiet and so just wants to pass over. But if you heard what she said, in this process, she discovered she had cancer, got healed of cancer. She gained, she, well, other things, they, she went before her work and asked for a change in the schedule. Never happened before. They changed her schedule so that she could adopt children and be available for this adoption. Things that happened, the ripple effect was, a, was just fantastic. She, um, what was I going to say about that? Um, she, just, she just really believed God. You can tell in the one part she had saved up a large amount of money for an attorney, and God spoke to her personally about saying, look, and, and I, she was here in the first service, um, she said, he said to her, are you going to trust man or are you going to trust God? In a moment when that man mentioned, I don't know if it was, it was Chandi at the time or myself at the time, but the number he, one of us mentioned, it was the number that she had set aside in the thousands, and she gave it to the Lord, and that that result was she got a brilliant attorney who was very kind and more excited about the adoption than, she, than I think they whole family was in the courtroom. And when she got a righteous judge that was on her behalf and things that she could not have navigated, God navigated for her. How amazing is that? Is that right? So, so you have to see how powerful this is. And some of the other videos that are coming through are just as powerful. This is wonderful. She even gained David as a result. And David, David was just living this perfect, controlled life, and he needed an adventure. And he got one, David. So. <laughs> and I knew David from a very long time ago and all through his life, so I knew him way before Janelle and the Geist family. And so it just was wonderful to see that all come together, them come to faith about this is what God wants, and I am. they are tickled to do it, and they are. And it's wild and crazy. How we know that God is an adventure, isn't that right? So... It's good. All right, well, the scriptures I want to open up to is Matthew 25. We know the story. In fact, many of you know it, but what I want to share with you is I'm telling you it's about the talents, so stay with me about the talents. This is not a boring thing. Why? Because if you see in context what's going on here is that Jesus in Matthew 23, 24, 25, and 26, he's moving toward the end of his ministry on earth, and he's, he's got a vehement an urgent part of him that's trying to impart into his disciples now a following that have actual faith and discovered who he is and now they are firm in that faith. It's gonna be shaken, it will be, but in this time, it's not just the disciples, it's the people that are following, it's a gang, and he's about to enter Jerusalem, so this is a countdown kind of walk. So these stories are chosen with intention. They're story, stories that he knows that in a, in a very blind, intense time, they're going to forget, but they will return to them because they will add structure to the, to the experience that they're having. Do you understand that? And so that is why he begins this chapter by saying about the virgins who go get oil. I'm not going to go through that, but we know it's all about preparation, that you can't prepare in the moment, but you need to prepare as a lifestyle into working toward God, into anticipating or wanting him. He takes it a step further into stewardship and partnerships, which I'm going to share with you in a minute, of the talents. And of course, we know the story is a man has a... Uh, 
an estate or whatever. He has three servants. He gives them each a talent. We can argue about what talents are. Basically, $1,000. Some people say millions. Whatever. One, he gives five, two, 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 and one, two. I actually said that. Five to one guy, two to another guy, and one to another guy. And of course, we know the story is that the five gets five more, the two gets two more, and the one hides the one knowing that God is, this guy, the, the, not God, the, the farmer or whatever his name is, the estate owner is ruthless, and he was terrified and didn't use it, so he's paralyzed or whatever it was. So, or he didn't care. Who knows what it is, okay? Gives an excuse that he was a little afraid, but who knows? Maybe it's just too lazy. So, the bottom line is we know this story is not about the story, right? It's not about guys with talents. It's not about, it's about God is talking to them. He's talking to disciples. He's speaking to us as we read this story today. It's speaking to us about working with him. It's speaking to us about possession. Possession has two parts to it. It has partnership and stewardship. What it really equals is our responsibility as Christians. Oh, you didn't like that word, did you? Look at your face. I could just see it. Heads went down, okay? Wow, this is the adventure, okay? This is the mandate. This is the calling. One of the things we do around here is we pray for restoration. We pray for healing. We pray for people to come to strength. But we pray for all that so you can reach out into your calling, to what God has called you to, the purposes in his life. So if you're just sitting there and you're restored and you're healed, you're just, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, right? So this is all about... God is handing something to them. Later on, they're going to read this or remember it or put it down and say, oh, he was talking to us. He's talking to us about the church. He's talking to us about the kingdom. He's talking to us about our lives. That's what they're going to remember. In all the power of God touching their lives, they're going to remember they have a responsibility. Power or authority without responsibility is extremely dangerous. Extremely dangerous. One of the things we walk around here, because if you're a great gifted leader, you better have some responsibility with it. Because otherwise, it's going to draw the people to you, to you, to you, and not to God, right? So, okay, we'll just move that to the side. Okay, here we go. So, but that's what's really great. And in this, this partnership and stewardship is, a, is, a, is really important to get into your heart. Because we don't just live singularly. We live in connection or in context with people around us. Everything we do, you think, especially with secret sins, it won't bother anybody. It won't affect anybody. It affects everybody around you, spoken or unspoken, known or unknown. Snap out of it, okay? Where people connect to other people. So we have to know that in this, our partnership, you have to come to faith. I must trust God. I'm meant, I'm built to trust God. I'm using words that may hurt your feelings, like responsibility and must, and you have to. But that's the way it is, okay? This is like spiritual laws, and you can either live in them or be crushed by them. Your choice, okay? John, this is amazing. Okay, thank you very much. Just want to say that so. <laughs> so this partnership, this possession in the kingdom, it's all about partnering with God. I know I'm part of something bigger than myself. I'm acting on something bigger than myself. In my mind, I'm thinking I'm affecting not only the people around me, but I, it's, everything has got to be connected to God because there's a hole in my life with Adam. And so that we know, I'm preaching to the choir, as Brian was saying, like, this is the deal that I live with God. So this, I, my best experience in this is I grew up in a family business, Okay. And I grew up in an automobile business, and it was terrible and great at the same time, okay? But one of the things we did was we built a family business, finally honed it into wholesaling, which is a big deal now. You buy from dealers, you sell to dealers. But in this, we learned to truly be honest. We learned to be honest among the dealers that we, had to, that we dealt with, because thieves, they'll kill you if they know you're a cheat to them, right? 
So we learned to buy rightly and sell rightly. And when I did, I grew up in representing my father in a business as a young man. Uh, and, and you learn, you know how this works. And you learn the, the value system, the honesty, how to deal with people, how to value them. And, and of course, you the same with the products that you have. The cars you have, you learn to value them. You learn to see the potential of them. It just bleeds into everything that you're doing in a value system, doesn't it? So we learn to value things and we learn to see potential in things, which is so amazing. I'm, taking, I'm going off track, aren't I, Brian? But anyway, we grew up representing our father. And then at some point, kind of the lines of being, being owners and, and partners blurs in a beautiful way. Does that make sense? I don't own to hold on to, but I own to see it grow. I own to put my efforts into it. I own to see increase. I own to see success. In a sense, I partner really all of that. And it's just a wonderful way of life for them. We learn how to do that. We learn how to be honest, represent. In fact, when we bought and sold cars, a lot of times we take them to the auction so they run across what they block, a block, an auction block. Rarely did our cars ever make the auction block, did they, Brian? Because most of the guys, since we were honest, we met them outside as we hit the gate and came in and they asked us what we needed for the car. We met a certain price there because we represented the car honestly. So there's an honest business there. It's one where bought favor and blessing. We learned how to initiate. We learned how to be responsible. We learned how to take care of. We learned how to maintain. We learned how to find a way to get increased. It was really a great way to do, which we brought into this world that we came into as well. In your life, what has God put into you? What expanse do you have? What reach do you have? And what is in your possession? And in that, have you given it all to the Lord in partnership and in stewardship? That's a great ask right there. I ask because many of you are really good about doing this with church and your spirituality, but you're not doing it with your friendships. You're not doing it with your workplace. You've kind of given up or you never thought about it. And if you're in a business, man, I can't imagine being in business without partnering with God. Seriously, because if you want to increase, he will do it. Because I did this even in my own family before my father was saved. I got saved and said, God, if you can't work in my fraternity, if you can't work in the car business with some really bizarre, hilarious, wretched people. You know what I mean? So you don't work anywhere then. You got to work here. So I learned to trust him even when my father wasn't a Christian and I lived by the values there, tithing and giving and giving offering and knowing that God would bring blessing to our business even though I, we faced a lot of, uh, what do you call it, admonishment or difficulties. But we found business when no one else found business. We kept going when no one else. Was it always easy? No. But he was faithful always. Always we overcame. Always we were able to make it work. Always. Not sometimes. Always. Okay? Always we give, share money with each other, be able to have the profit and work it away. Do we build an empire? No. But we did good business solid and we were able to be responsible for it and steward it well. Okay. So in your life, what are you not giving to God? What are you not trading ever? Take a good inventory. It's the beginning of this year. As we start off the year, what is not in his hand? For real. Speak to him about it. What do I, God, am I, do I have my workplace in your hand? Can I rededicate it to you? Can I re-put this into your hand from the people I work with, the people I'm under, the people I'm over? Are you watching with me? In your relationships, the ones you like and the ones you don't like, are you putting before the Lord and saying, God, help me make a, make a, be your servant in this situation. Certainly make an influence if he chooses to, but to be his agent in that area and to partner with him and trust him with it. The first part is trust. Like, God, I believe you have me here. I know you've assigned me here. I'm going to work. I'm going to believe it. I'm not just putting up with it. God, this is my assignment from you in this place. That's a huge point of faith. I've been here, well, 30 years, it's never changed. Well, start partnering with God and it'll change, all right? 
Refresh that partnership. And ask him what he wants changed. Does the whole place saved or does he want one place saved? Does you participating in exercising your faith first? That'd be good if you started doing that first. Trust him. Trust him. Again, this is singular in the sense of this has got to be your place of faith with God. We're setting the course for our lives in this offering. We're saying, God, I'm putting this substance here and everything in my life is going to surround this and tend to it like a farmer attends to a field. And I'm going to be a different person in the end of this year. Okay? So partner, so possession is partnership and stewardship, which connects to your responsibility. And there's a word that nobody likes in our society at all. I get concerned about it because in, in not trying to, I'm not political, just the temperature of our society is someone else is to blame or I don't need to or not me, don't worry about it. Isn't it refreshing when a man stands up and says, I made the mistake, I'm responsible and I will do better next time. Oh my gosh, you want to kiss him on the forehead, kiss him on the lips, seriously. Because he just stands up and takes responsibility for things. We can do better. Oh, you're allowed to do that? Yeah, yeah, it falls on me. My house falls on me. The running of my house falls on me. My cars get repaired because I pay attention and repair them. I take care of the grass. I wash the windows. I do the work around the house. It's my responsibility. You know something? It's really weird. I love it. I like it. I'm built for it. I'm not built to slide away and shy off to the side. And... Don't you get tired of that? It's a lot of effort to hide. Such effort. Oh, jeez. Come on. Stand up and be counted. Come on, right? Responsibility. All right, the second thing part is that, look, we are them. <laughs> what? What did I do? All people stood up? <laughs> I better, there you are. <laughs> so, the second part about this is opportunity. Okay, opportunity is so important. that once we have trust with God, okay, what do you want me to do? What opportunities come past me? There's so many opportunities that come past in our life. And in this, it's really important to, 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 to agree with God, I'm going to seize that opportunity. The kingdom of heaven out of Matthew 11, 12 suffers violence and violent men take it by force. I love this scripture. What do you mean? It's all about... No, it's man. The kingdom of, kingdom of God is bursting forth, whether you know it or not. Today, today, it's bursting forth. Because God's not going back, like, well, we'll just have a quiet day. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It's upon his government, there'll be no end. No end. No end, 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 end. Okay, got that? All right? So that means he's spreading out. More people getting saved right now than ever before. The kingdom of God is entering men's hearts like never before. The rule of God and his love in men's hearts is ruling like never before right now. Worship is exploding across the planet. Prayer is exploding across the planet. And people getting a conscience because of the planet. Whether they report it in the news or, or, or not. <laughs> or never. <laughs> Got to wake up to this, guys, all right? And he's telling them, man, he's about, to, he's about to go to the cross. He's about to look like it's destroyed. He's about to come and explode out of the grave and resurrect. And with him, he's going to take the entire team that he's been working with, and it's going to explode exponentially. And they're going to need to attend to it like these guys with the talents. So they have to know that they have possession, but what are they going to do with this possession? Will it ruin them or will it strengthen them? Will it give it back to God or will they keep it for themselves? And in the opportunities that come about, will they do it? Will they step into that opportunity or not? And in that, it says, like it's, it's scriptures, it says we're co-laborers with Christ, isn't it? It says that we're in Ephesians, uh, what is it, not in Ephesians, 
But it says, the, let's start with this. Numbers 14 says this. The whole earth will be filled with his glory. Numbers is happening right after um, Israel has a big failure to trust God after they come through the Red Sea. Do you remember the story? And then they're going to wander for 40 years, which is big pain, but it's a chance for them to come to faith, which transforms the whole group of people to guessing about God to our moments that, that bring them highs and lows, and they're actually going to learn who God is over the next 40 years. It's brilliant. Anyway, he says to them, but make no mistake, my translation, the whole earth will be filled with the, my glory. Doesn't he say that? Yep, and then it says Ephesians 2, we're co-laborers, a co-workmanship with him. So he's asking us to work together. This is, why are you explaining, John? I'm explaining opportunity. Because opportunity is the use of your faith. Opportunity is the use of your faith. This is all about, in this passage, about using your faith, using what you got. And in this, it's really important to use your faith. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, whatever you do, do it all unto the Lord. Whether it's to eat, drink, do this, do this, do this, do this, it's all unto the Lord, correct? So what I'm talking to you, John, John, what are you saying? I'm saying take inventory of your life. What is within your grasp? What is in spiritually? What is in relationally, soulishly? What is in physically? All of this, if you bring to bear, bring before the Lord, you don't have to be a super A student. You don't just have to attend to it, Okay? And you're going to be in a different place than you were this year. Right now, you're going to be in a different place at the end of the year. This stuff is powerful. So, okay. So it's the use of your faith, the use of your time, talent, and treasure that happens in this, this whole thing. Is that correct? Do you understand that? So we are attaching this in this offering to, a, to finances, which is great. And we certainly need them in this house. And it pays for things great and goes beyond. But it, what really is happening, we're attaching our faith and our hopes and our dreams and saying, God, I know you're... In this, I'm, in this substance, I'm putting faith that, God, that's the sticking point, and you're going to change my life as a result, and I'm going to attend to it, okay? So in this time, time, let me give you five W's real quick. Is that all right? No, John. Who said no? I'm going to skip back then. <laughs> One is the word in your life, okay? The word in our life. What's the scripture on that, guys? There is it. First Timothy 1.18. Isn't it Paul speaking to Timothy saying this? And I'm going too slow for you. Tom, Paul speaking to Timothy saying, make a good warfare up based on the prophecies. My paraphrase. The prophecies are the laying hands of prophecies on your life. What do you mean, John? I mean, we certainly study the word of God, and that absolutely should be a normal part of your life. But in your study, there's going to be highlights, or God's going to highlight something to you that's going to speak to your soul and your life for this season and this time. Right? So you're just sitting there eating your Cheerios and Cheerios and you read Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation and who shall I fear? I happened to me one time 20 years ago when I was reading, I was like, hey, he's my light. I mean, you read it just like, he's like my salvation and whom shall I fear? And no, but it just went into my heart that there's nothing to fear. I was probably doing something at the time that I needed, I needed faith for, but it filled my heart with a, with a word that carried me through the year. So one of the things I pray for people when they're asking for directions, God, I bind you to the word. God, I bind David to the word of God in his life and your purposes and your, and your, and your abilities and your supernatural power to open doors and give him favor to do that. But I bind him to that word. This is one of the things I do. But I believe that God speaks to us about a word. Well, John, I never had a word. Get in the word and get one, all right? Yeah, here it comes out of the sky. Wah, bam. No, it doesn't do that. It's like these are printed in all kinds of languages and all kinds of translations. Pick one up. If you can't find one, we'll give one to you, okay? Seriously. But get in the Word, and, get, and all of a sudden, it'll happen. Well, I, well, I don't know. I never happened before. Well, that's great. Let's, it will happen, okay? 
So we bind ourselves to word. The second one is a wealth, all the, your substance, all your stuff in there. It's, of course, we know this. I give the simplest scriptures, Luke 6, 38. Given, it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, men will give unto your bosom. Which is just amazing when you read that and break it all down. Oh, so into your bosom, your heart, your desires, your soul, everything you believe for. It's just great, but he wants you to do something with it. Okay? The 10,000 scriptures on giving, on wealth, right? The next one is your walk. Walk, how about the way we live, the way we conduct ourselves? How did Timothy says, I speak to you things about these, speak to you about these things so you know how to conduct yourself in the house of God. We have to learn how to reconduct, have to break down and learn how to walk well, in, 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 in a godly way. God's constantly talking to us. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. It works from the inside out to coach us, to navigate, to change our tone, to give us a conscience, to speak to us. Come on, right? Changes the way we speak, changes the way we walk, changes our actions, and changes an angry man into a man that trusts God. Amen. All right? Oh, there's tons of scriptures on that. In First uh, Philippians 1, 27, I pray that you walk worthy of the manner of God, that manner of, where does it say? Anyway, count yourself worthy of the gospel. Worthy of, isn't that a great word, worthy of the gospel? Because we want to live a life that reflects how God lives. And people then will just be around you and they'll feel better. They'll come to your house and like feel the peace of God. You'll be at work and they just want to come around you at the water cooler. Seriously. You don't have to say much. It's just as real. You'll be with your friends, out shopping, out doing whatever. But all this stuff is how we live our life, the walk that we have. What's the third one is the works. This one I got a little tagged on. I have to tell you this. I was like, okay, I got, I got my word. I got, I got, I'm giving stuff to God and my practice good financial stuff and stewardship and giving constantly, getting larger and all that stuff. But when I got to works, I was like, mm, I do a lot of praying for people up front, but hey, John, when's the last time you prayed for someone outside the church? How's your works going for you, John? I was like, hmm, I'm getting a C minus, maybe a D on that, you know? <laughs> I told him, I'm only a C student, God, so you got to work with me, all right? <laughs> But hey, those are the things works. So of course, we don't get justified by our works. Of course not. But that doesn't erase the works. Doesn't erase them. Let's do them. And that's one of the things I like about John Wimber. He finally got turned around to God. He went back to his church and said, so we're going to do the stuff? They weren't doing the stuff. They weren't doing the works. Like I said, so we can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Come on, when we first got saved, we used to lay hands on copiers. We used to lay hands on cars. This was a challenge to me, but it worked because <laughs> I grew up around cars. It's like, <laughs> seriously, but the works are just as much important. How many works have you done lately? It's okay to ask. It's not taboo, taboo, taboo. It's not allowed to, oh, that would be evil. You'd be judging yourself. No, no, am I doing it or not? You don't get physically fit by just hoping you will, okay? <laughs> God, do a little work on that one, bad boy, you know? You're looking thin inside your head, but you're not otherwise. Okay. <laughs> okay, just bringing it forward here. Come on. What if we all went out of here today and said, God, just show me a chance that I'm, I'm giving my response to you from my responsibility, giving my response because opportunity equals time, talent, the use of time, talent, and treasures. And then the result is I have, it's my response to you, God. I'm going to do the things you asked me to do. That's what, again, this is offering about, I'm, this is all culminating in my life toward God. I'm going to attend to this. Okay, the last one is, is your witness. And of course, we know Luke 24, he, he, Jesus has returned. He's raised from the dead. He's meeting with the, the disciples and he, he just lists all the things going through. And he said, you guys, you have been witnesses of these things. Wow. 
When's the last time you witnessed about Christ in your life, okay? <laughs> Look, I just want to give you a little note. Because I'm bringing this stuff up, there is going to be a test on all five of these areas, okay? <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm not giving the test, but I was just trying to warn you. So. But in the nicest way, like, do you have the hope that's in you? Is it falling off your list? Your lips? Is it speaking to those around you? Friend and foe, are you doing that? You know, and in the right attitude. So these things are really important that we speak the things, speak the truth in love, and let God do the deal. Let it pierce people's hearts. But I wouldn't be here unless someone did that for me. Know that? You know, I did not like it when it happened. I didn't. I did not. I was fighting with God, but he was just speaking it right to me, killing me with his honesty with his experience and with his testimony, killing me, all right? And every time, you know, hope responds to the word of God, okay? All right, we're done with that, all right? We gotta be done in two minutes, okay? Why don't you stand up and I'll close with this, okay? Sorry, thanks, someone should wave at me. Oh, jeez. In closing, the last part is there is a, a growth, or there's not a growth. There's an increase or a loss. In this story, there is a reckoning. Can we say it that way? And I, Gospel-like gave, it had a beautiful explanation of this. But the reckoning is, like, there's, there's a couple principles here. And one is, he who has even more will be given to, he will have abundance, is what it actually says. It seems so unfair that he who has who doesn't have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And then they cast him into outer darkness, don't they? This is a stunning. It seems harsh, but what it's really saying is God and his kingdom and his way of doing things, he gives to us all, the, all those things that I talked about in, the, in, the, in teaching here. But if we don't use them, we will lose them. But when we use them, what's important is to understand, because we don't do this out of fear, but we use, as soon as we use them, then there's an immediate increase in our life. Do you see that? There's an immediate more will be given to you. When you act in faith, more faith comes. When you act in love, more love comes. When you act in patience, more patience comes. It's an immediate exponential addition into our lives. And so you will have abundance in this area. But if you don't use it, then you will. It looks like you'll lose it. Now, that, I know the scripture, God's gifts and callings are without repentance. But you can't just sit on your fanny there and think about that because it can go dormant and it can go dead. Of course, you can have a resurrection, of course. But the idea is that if you don't use it, even what you have will be taken away. And then to be cast in outer darkness is actually, in my perspective on this, it's the regret, the lost opportunity that has been in our lives. And we have to look. There are, I mean, I've lived enough years to know I have some regrets. Now, I place him before the Lord, and he can always find another way. I hope in him. And he, no matter what, he finds a way to make it, to bring it around. All things, trusting in him, all things for good, for those who trust in the Lord. And he's really gracious. But there are times I've had regrets. And I wish I had less of them. But that weeping and gnashing of teeth is about regret. Like, and you can see a lost opportunity. There's a point in my life I didn't want to deal with healing with God, talk about it. And I remember that he was beckoning me to come, and I didn't go with him. It was back in the old building. We were doing that series on healing, and, the, and I just was like, well, I'm not into this. And it left, and when it left, it was like, oh. I remember like, oh, that's a bum. Like, that's, I need that, you know what I mean? And he came back with it a different season, but there is a regret, and I, I don't want to miss those lost opportunities. I don't have lost opportunities, would you agree? 
the key in this is if you do this, we become fruitful. Some people say fruitfulness is an indication of expectation of the coming of Christ. That's what some people preach out of and say, because he didn't expect, he wasn't into it. Either you're with him or you're not with him. So some people do see it as damnation, the weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't. I see it as a loss of the kingdom in our lives. I think you can be saved, but you cannot advance in the kingdom. That's my opinion, John's opinion, not any theology. But you can be saved, love God, he'll love you forever. But you can, you, maybe someday you look at him, you'll have regret. But I think the kingdom, the rule of God, in our, his love in our hearts, the expanse of him in character and in persona and in authority and power, that's what I'm looking for. I know him now, I want more of him. We worship it all the time, don't we? Worship and say that to him all the time, I want more of you. Why? Because I want the kingdom to exist in my life. Less of me, more of him, and yet I'm still like a better me. It's amazing. Amen. All right, let's close. We have to close. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right, let's take it to the Father. Lord, we love you. Bless you. We believe in the power of you to move through our lives. We believe in, as we do this, we'll reap in places we haven't sown, we'll gather in places we haven't scattered. In other words, Father, we believe with you we'll have a greater influence and impact in our lives, like Janiel and David, where there's a singular desire for, for an adoption, but an absolute influence and impact into a society, even the courts of the land. How wonderful. God, do this with our lives. We begin by trusting you, looking to you, our life in you. Where do we go from here? We trust you. We love you. We believe in you. Have your way in us. Over the next few weeks, we pray, Holy Spirit, speak to us about this year. What's, a, what's ahead in the next few months? pushing all those other things from society and all that stuff away, us and you, what do you want to do? And how can we sow into that? With faith, with love, with expectation, in reality. And how can we attend to it in the days ahead? We pray. Ask for your grace in this, in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? amen. All right, well, look, I'm going to release you in a second. If you don't know the Lord... We would love to introduce you to the adventure of your life. Actually, the peace and the grace and the love of your life. It'll change you. It'll make you, you. Take away all the facade. Otherwise, I bless you. There's altars open for any point of faith, any place of surrender. There are people here that are great agents of that and will love to pray with you. Let me just bless you now to him who is able to keep you from falling out of Jude. How supernatural is that? Presenting you blameless, faultless. That's another amazing thing before the Lord. Let he keep you and bless you this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Go watch a football game. See you guys. All right. I love you. So. <laughs>